0: All right. Uh, next intern interview. Next, come on in. Hello. Uh,
1: who are you? Uh, I'm I'm Andrew. I, I was told there was a, a vacancy for a Back to the Bins host. I'm I'm sorry. Are you what are you saying? Uh, uh, is is this on? Is is this? I was told there was a, a vacancy for Back to the
0: Bins. I, I can hear you speaking, but what language are you speaking? I'm speaking English. Speak English, man. This this this, this is English. What's. I, I, I don't understand okay. a word you're saying. Okay.
2: Wait, 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 Paul. I think I can translate. Oi, Governor. The position's already filled. Piss off, eh? Oi! You come here and say that, you fing wanker. Hey, this is a family show. Wait, I so became a British so <laughs> <I can't wait. laughs>
1: Is Is this not the, the hosting job for Back to the Bins? Is that not your accent? Is that, is that not what you all do? <laughs> Next! <laughs> Back
0: to the bin.
1: strange. You think you know how the world works?
3: What if I told you the reality you know is one of many?
2: This doesn't make any sense.
3: Not everything does. Not everything has to.
1: Through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality.
3: We travel great distances
1: in an instant.
2: How do I get from here to there?
0: How did you become a doctor?
2: Study and practice years of it.
1: There's a strength to him. But is he ready?
0: Be careful which path you travel down, Strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. I am death. Yes. In pain. You'll die protecting this world. I can't do this. There is no other way. For so many years, peering through time, looking for you. Uh,
2: What's this? My mantra? It's the
0: Wi-Fi password.
2: We're not savages.
0: All right. So
2: I guess we should just get right into this, right? I swear I slipped to a a Southern and a British accent in the same... I don't know what that was. I don't think (laughs) I... I think I almost hurt something.
1: Oh, I feel like I've arrived now. I've done a bit with Bill. Bit with Bill. It's time for Bit with Bill. It's time for A Bit with Bill here on the Two True Freaks. It's time for Bill's oh, yes. Little Bit.
0: Hey! <laughs> and that's the <laughs> intro, Bill's Little Bit. Hey! All right. Who's bringing us in? Uh, I guess I am. <laughs> I was going to say, I brought in the last one. Oh. Did you? No, you didn't. No, I didn't.
2: Not really. Well, not the last back to the bins. I don't
0: know. Whatever.
2: We should have Andy do it since he's the <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll be your intern duty. Uh, I said
1: duty. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. Oh, there's no one to say hello, everyone. I feel alone and... and You all, everybody. That'll do. And welcome to a brand new episode of Back to the Bins. I am your intern presenter for this particular show. I am Andrew Leyland. But as ever, I say as ever, I'm not normally here. What am I talking about? As usual for this show, the main hosts are... Mr. Paul Spittara,
0: Hello.
1: who doesn't want to say hello, apparently, <laughs> and Dr. Bookless Bill Robinson. Hey, I got a book. You watch You it. have? I'm honoured that for, for me coming on the show, you've got a book. I'm made up. Woohoo! That's good, uh, Bill. Tonight is the, what do you call it? You have an acronym for this. SCORE. SCORE. Oh. It's the SCORE episode for Doctor Strange which is in a cinema near you now, starring Dirt Benedict Cumberbund. Is that his name? Yes.
2: That's Eggs exactly. Benedict.
1: Uh, Close enough. Cumber patch, cucumber patch, something like that. But it's got our good friend from the Serenity
2: movie is in it too.
1: It is. Chewy Tell Daffodils in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Easy for, Easy you, to for you to say.
2: <laughs> it sounds like you just chewed on some daffodils. I don't know what...
1: Just call him Chewy. Chewy. Oh. So we're, we're yes. in an
0: interesting interesting score position because usually it's, you know, we record it before it airs usually or before it premieres usually, but usually none of us have seen it. In this instance, across the pond, it's already opened and Mr. Leyland has already seen it. I have seen Dr. Strange, yes. And Bill and I have not. So uh, just to give a brief spoiler-free review, why don't you okay. tell us what you thought?
1: Uh, I thought it was a hugely entertaining addition to the Marvel canon. It's not got the usual ending of a Marvel movie, people hitting each other. It's a lot more thoughtful and thought-provoking and interesting. The cast is uniformly excellent, but particularly Tilda Swinton, who was brilliant as the ancient one. It's not as quippy as the other Marvel movies. It, It seems a bit more... Weirdly, it seems a bit more grounded in its drama, despite being a magic-based movie. Uh, the main bad guy is Casino Royale and Hannibal's... Um, I've completely blanked on his name. Um, Mads M- mickelson M- thank yeah. you, the voice from the gods, that is Angela that told me Mads Mickelson's the main bad guy. He's good. He's overshadowed slightly by Cumberbatch and Tilda Swinton, I thought, but the performance is good. It looks magnificent as you would expect from a doctor strange movie little bit of inception in there and all told it's not top tier for me. It's not up there with the Avengers um, guardians of the galaxy, that level it's it's around the Ant man level. It's thoroughly entertaining. It's a very enjoyable night at the cinema. It it leaves the door wide open for what they're going to do with him next. And if you go watching it at the cinema, there are two post-credit sequences.
0: Hmm. I will certainly be seeing it in the cinema so that's good to know. I would wait till the end to make sure I saw it anyway, but yeah, uh, that's definitely good to know. My fear, which it seems like is unfounded, is that they might get a little too far into the metaphysical and, you know, mumbo jumbo type talk and uh, you know, kind of lose the audience a little bit with it. But it
1: sounds like it's fairly grounded despite the mm premise it's it's very definitely marvel does fantasy whereas guardians was marvel does science fiction and and so on it it's it's very similar to the thor movies they do a very good job of balancing what could have been all the stuff about midgard and and all that that could have been over the top right and they do a very good job of of grounding it all and a lot of that is down to tilda swinton i really do think it's her that makes what they're doing believable
0: Okay, there seemed to be a fair amount of criticism with her casting in the in the movie, so it's nice to hear that she rose above that and and did a solid job. Yeah, she job.
1: she walks away with it. She is she's Alec Guinness in Star Wars. She brings that level of class and believability to the role that is essentially I've got to explain all this mystical mumbo jumbo. Does she say I don't seem to recall owning an amulet? She does not say that at any point. No, but okay. I believe she could have pulled it off. Well worth going saying I, I really, I recommend. It's, again,
0: they've not made a dud. Does she say anything about the nameless ones coming back in greater numbers?
1: Yeah, she does not say that even though.
0: <laughs> how could she possibly movie. be
1: Alec Guinness in this movie then? Yeah, the dialogues, they're different, but she performs the same function. Me I, down, I just don't. No, I don't, no, I don't see Vegas, how. So. I'm
0: sorry. I'm lo- You lost me there.
2: <laughs> I suddenly became Donald Trump doing Alec Guinness doing Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Just take me down, Modu. I only became more powerful. Uh,
0: Now, this will air, well, this will air next weekend. So we'll we'll get this in just before the election. The dead Trump Mamu. That's actually a timely imitation, unlike when you did him on on Listen to the Prophets, which would be way way late. (laughs) Well, you know.
2: Now, I never said my stuff is fresh, it's slightly stale little moldy, but still edible. Oh,
0: sorry. Now, un- unfortunately, uh, this week, Scott is on uh, assignment and not able to be here with us. Uh, but I know he's not particularly a Doctor Strange fan. He may love this movie, ultimately, but he's not particularly a Doctor Strange fan. Uh, where do you guys fall on the character in general and his books in the past?
2: I've, I've always liked uh, Doctor Strange. Mr. Doctor? Is it Mr. Doctor? Or is it Doctor Mr. Doctor? I know that's a gag, at least in one in one of the commercials. And I'm assuming that's in the movie as too, hmm. uh, as well. Um, but uh, no, I've um, actually, my first I- interaction with Dr. Strange is the book that I'm bringing um, today. And I've always loved, especially the way Ditko drew him with, with, with a lot of the you know, the, I guess we call it the Ditko verse when he goes into the, into the mystic realm and the astral planes and everything. I, I, it just really, I love the Cape, the outfit. It's just, mesmerizing i love mm. doc Dark strange
1: um he's kind of a blind spot for me because as a rule i don't really like magic or magic based characters that can do anything i like there to be a kind of internal logic to the story but i as a fan of the 60s spider-man and Ditko's work in spider-man i did lean over and, and i've got the very first two Masterworks doctor strange and i like them but the only other strange run i've read is roger stern and paul smith and michael golden's run from the '80s, which is excellent. That's really, really good stuff. But other than that, I've not read any Doctor Strange. So basically, Ditko and Roger Stern, and the story I'm going to cover tonight, the Oath.
0: My initial Doctor Strange experience was actually the issue I'm going to cover tonight, which I had, you know, had been out for quite some time before I ever read it. But it was I still read it early in my comic collecting career, uh, in some form of reprint. I do have the original now, but uh, at the time I had read it in a reprint. And otherwise, I was familiar with him, or I became familiar with him, through reading the early Defenders books. And in the Defenders, they didn't really use his character consistently as far as his powers went. They they kind of had him as a guy who can you know, give some sort of magical mumbo-jumbo and then he would shoot rays out of his hands. So they didn't really... Latch on to the the magical aspect of it, but I'm not sure you really could in a book like that. I don't think you had too much of a freedom to to do that. But just the same, I kind of started to like the character, and that was just when he got his his second uh, solo series was right around then, and I was reading that, and Steve Englehart was writing that. It was a, you know a little bit trippy to try and read it and follow it, and I think at points, at times, the point was lost on me. But overall. I've always enjoyed the character, and I eventually went back and did a read-through, starting with his introduction in Strange Tales and working through, uh, well, basically working through the point when he was in The Defenders. I got as far as that. I didn't read a lot mm-hmm. of the issues of his solo series. But I've always enjoyed the character. I, I find him to be interesting in that he's, he contrasts with other superheroes. He isn't stereotypical, really, at all. So I've kind of always enjoyed that aspect of it.
1: I always think of him as being like the Beatles of the Marvel U. He's very into that Zen mysticism and he's got that calmness to him that you would imagine that George Harrison would have. And there's just a level of of calm. You know, if Doctor Strange shows up, you're kind of like, oh, everything's going to be (laughs) alright.
0: Pretty much, you know. So yeah, I I would agree with you on that. So,
2: um, the the third run, which I think was the one you were mentioning, Annie, that's I think in the 90s or like the late 80s, early 90s, isn't that um, uh, doesn't, doesn't some of those have barren blood in it? And there's I think that's when they brought the vampires back. Yeah, the, the Roger Stern wrote a vampire team up. Right. But that was back in like issue six, because we covered that on bins. Yeah. A while back. But but then it rebooted again. And I think there was like when he basically when they brought the vampires back to the Marvel Universe. Because yeah, it was I've, never, around, I've not
1: read any of that.
2: It was around Doc Strange, like sixty, sixty one, I think, when he did the verses and banished the mm. banished all the vampires. So I banished. Yeah, it's banished,
1: banished.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. And and um you mentioned the Defenders. Yeah, th- that that was the other place. It was first in the Avengers and then really in the Defenders where I started to really get into Doctor Strange a lot. Um so yeah, it's He's just got a cool look. I love the goatee, the hair, the gray and I would be Doctor Strange. But I don't think I don't think the cl- I wouldn't need two
1: cloaks of levitation though. You want to be you want to be Benedict Cumberbatch, is that what you're saying? See, I want I want the recliner of levitation.
0: <laughs> it just wraps around you and carries you around. I just I just sit in it and then like every once in a while I'll just pull the uh, pull the little lever on the side to put my feet up. As I Wong float will bring
1: you a cup of tea, or, or a coffee, or something. Oh, By a glass God. of wine, who can say? By the hoagie hosts of Horath, Bring me a sandwich. <laughs> bring me a hoagie.
2: Bring me a hoagie. <laughs> Summon a hoagie. Wong! Get
0: me my hoagie. <laughs> Poor Wong. I, I enjoyed, in which we did cover in this as well, uh, maybe last year sometime, uh, when Keith Giffen wrote The Defenders for a miniseries, and uh, he had Nightmare contacting Strange, and Wong was there. And Nightmare was basically started making fun of him, like, manservant. Who, who uses the word manservant? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm his
2: apprentice. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah.
0: Which, we, we, yeah, we kind of had a little touch of that in Andy's mm-hmm. book when we get to that. Uh, I guess we'll go in chronological order with our three books. Okay.
2: Uh, you would. That would be you first, right?
0: That would. Or be no first. And uh, I apologize to our listeners that I didn't write my own synopsis today. Uh, time, time. I was on a bit of a time crunch, and my choices were write my own synopsis or read Bill and Andy's books. And I thought it was better <laughs> that I would read their books than to to just go into those two blind. So I chose Amazing Spider-Man Annual number two from. Well, it's cover dated October of 1965, and it was on sale on June 1st, 1965. And again, this was one of my first uh, exposures to Doctor Strange. And in fact, I think I had read uh, Marvel Team Up number 22, which is Spider Man and Doctor Strange fighting the same villain from this, the uh, ELO Olivia Newton John uh, inspired Xanadu.
2: <laughs> no, no, no,
0: that's Xanadu. Oh, there's, there's oh. no A there. Never mind. Uh, but I had read the two stories fairly close in time to each other. I think I had read the Marvel team up and then I had acquired a reprint of this issue. So, but this was, again, pretty early in my uh, comic reading life. Uh, the book consists of this story and then three reprinted stories. So this is probably the length. I didn't check the page count, but it's probably the length of you know, your average comic of the day and then they just 72
1: big pages it says yeah, Well they, on the they cover.
0: padded it with the three reprints but this actual yeah. story itself is probably one, oh, right. one yeah. comics but worth. The Moon story is only 20 pages. Okay, that's about a comic. It was uh, edited by Stan Lee of all people. The cover artist is Steve Ditko and the cover is kind of kind of strange because it's got the uh, the indication of, you know, that that we're going to get the uh, wondrous world of Doctor Strange, but he's not on the cover at all it's got There's spider-man's
2: a, head with spider-man crawling all over his yeah, hell it's got head a
0: close-up of spider-man's head and then it's got a full body shot from you know fairly from the top to the bottom of the picture and it's got five little spider-man <laughs> running around climbing on the head
1: that <laughs> shot of spider-man would end up being the corner box for a while did it is that the same one i know it's, the pose the is similar
0: but is that the same picture
1: Yeah, they would use the Ditko one, and then later on somebody would redraw it based on that. I believe it's the Romita version of it later. Yeah, both versions would end up being the corner box. The problem with this cover is the splash page is much better as a cover.
0: Mm -hmm. And you've
1: got to wonder why they didn't use that splash page as the cover.
0: Yeah, the splash page is actually very dynamic and Mm. would, uh, would, would definitely entice you to buy this book, probably more so than the actual cover did. Yeah. But the story is called The Wondrous World of Doctor Strange. It's written by Stan Lee, penciled by Steve Ditko, inked by Steve Ditko, lettered by Sam Rosen, and edited by Stan Lee. Spider-Man is disappointed to find all quiet during his night patrol of the city. However, elsewhere a man named Zandu interferes in a barroom brawl, where two muscular men have challenged everyone present to a fight. Zandu hypnotizes them to feel no pain, and gives them limitless strength to accomplish their task, to steal the other half of the of tomb, of which Zandoop already possesses one part, from Doctor Strange's mansion. As they break in, Doctor Strange tries to distract them, but he's quickly knocked out. The two henchmen find the of tomb and exit through a skylight, thereby attracting the attention of Spider-Man. Spider-Man goes down fighting, having been unaware of their supernatural strength, but even as he collapses, he plants a spider tracer on one of them. Zandu receives the second half of the wand and reunites it. He reveals that with the complete wand, he can create doorways to other dimensions and times as well as see any place or objects he desires. Spider-Man now interrupts Zandu, but is startled to find himself starting to disappear into an alternate dimension. He grabs the Wand of Watum, realizing its importance, and and it goes with him. Zandu sends the two henchmen after Spider-Man to get it back. As they fight, Doctor Strange regains consciousness and follows the henchman's traces to Xandu's lair. The two do battle as the henchmen brings Spider-Man back to Earth. Xandu regains control of the Wand of Wet tomb and uses it against Doctor Strange, who, realizing he's overpowered by the wand, leaves his physical form and uses his ectoplasmic spirit to aid Spider-Man. At Strange's suggestion, Spider-Man grabs an electric wire and shorts out the two henchmen's hypnosis. Doctor Strange returns to his physical form and fights alongside Spider-Man, who trips Xanadu with his webbing and retrieves the wand. The wand is then drained of its mystic power by Doctor Strange, who also wipes the memory and thus the evil intentions of Xanadu." It's kind of a bland description of it, but I think it covers the story fairly well. Um, I like the story. It's probably oversimplistic in a lot of its its dialogue, a lot of its uh, explanations. But it's kind of a cool. I think, I'm pretty confident this is the first meeting between, between Strange and Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, um, we don't is. have the
0: obligatory "Hey, let's fight each other" moment, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ditko art, to me, is it. Uh, you know, as as always with Ditko art, sometimes it's simplistic, but I think it's enthralling. Uh, I love his looks at other dimensions, and his action sequences are pretty cool. So you know, this this is. Steve Ditko doing Doctor Strange and Spider Man in his heyday. How, how far off can you go with that?
2: I like something that links to Andy's book later, and that's the intentions of Doctor Strange. Um, I don't want to give away the ending of his book, but along the lines of what happens here at the end with Zandu, Strange just goes in and basically mind wipes this guy. Although a lot of characters were doing that back in the he day. Professor
0: Xavierism.
2: Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, oh, I'm gonna take out the evil intentions of your brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I that's you know the uh, bottom not... you
0: now is that okay?
2: Yeah. Well not hmm. really. I did not cut anything out, I just removed things that well you don't need I, I just didn't removed cut this knowledge. Out, I
0: just removed things.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mystically. I mystically removed your, your your need to be evil. No, but I haven't invaded your rights or anything. I
1: took no. away your
0: free will, don't
2: worry. <laughs> <laughs> You're now a good citizen of
1: society. Resistance is futile. <laughs> Uh, I think the art in this is really good. Mm -hmm. I I genuinely think that, you know, putting Spider-Man. So you start off the story in Spider-Man's usual milieu, which is New York City. There's some great shots of Spider-Man on the first page. That first panel of him just crawling down the wall, just on his feet. Is absolutely brilliant. I really love that. I love Ditko's backgrounds. I love the ever-present water towers. I want to go to New York just to have my photo taken with a water tower. Uh, <laughs> the people in the background, the cars. I, I love that opening panel. And then we start off in a seedy bar, which and Ditko does seedy, noir bars better than anybody. Just everyone hanging around there. They've got cigarettes hanging out the mouths. They've, the they all look like a bit rough. And then it becomes this Doctor Strange story that Spider-Man doesn't really have much to do with. But the minute that it becomes a Doctor Strange story, it suddenly has all these brilliant Ditko visuals in the background. So that page 13, which is Spider-Man suddenly completely out of his element, fighting in one of Doctor Strange's weirdo worlds where the laws of physics don't apply. That, that's great stuff. I mean, my only problem with this is I really do wish it had been like Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1 and would have had the space to let Ditko give us full-page splashes of Spider-Man fighting in Ditko's land, Ditko's land, sorry, Doctor Strange's land, because we only get one three-quarter splash on page 12, and that's what we have to live with. I think if, had this been another couple of pages where he could have let it grow a bit more like Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1 did, I think this would have been much better. As it is, it feels quite cramped in its panel layout. And reading it, I read it again for this, and I read it when I did Palace of Glitter and Delights on the Dick Cohen Spider-Man era. It feels very much to me that Lee's not taking this story seriously.
0: Yeah, that's that's a fair criticism. I, I think he's just kind of throwing together some quick explanations for things, and
1: it's a little bit clumsy at times. hmm But that's not to say Lee doesn't throw in some really funny dialogue in this, because he does. And I think this is where the the mixture of Lee Ditko really works. I think Ditko on his own takes himself too seriously, and Lee injects that irreverence to it that I think wouldn't have been there if this was Ditko alone. But this isn't a Spider-Man story, even though it's in Spider-Man Annual. This is a Doctor Strange story with Spider-Man in it. And as such, feels very much like a Marvel team up more than a Spider-Man story.
0: Well, I think the purpose of this was to hopefully get Spider-Man fans on board reading Doctor Strange.
1: Oh, very definitely.
0: Yeah. I think you, you see uh, the highs and lows of the artwork in this book on page five. Uh, I think the, the top sequence of three panels, actually the first five panels are all brilliant in the way they're drawn. Mm. The bottom two, the way the two thugs are drawn is just kind of that, again, what I called oversimplistic. But, you know, the Steve Ditko kind of unrealistic way of drew, the way he draws the two thugs. I, I just I, I didn't really
1: buy into them the way he drew them. Mm. But, yeah, the panel above that of Doctor Strange in his Sanctum Sanctorum is, is gorgeous. Again, somewhere I wish that the the issue had been allowed to breathe a bit more rather than just being a standard 20-pager. If it had been a proper annual-length story, I think the art would have been allowed to to show us more of Doctor Strange's world and I think would have been more effective with an Amazing Spider-Man 1, annual number one, sorry, layout of a couple of splashes here and there. And the colouring in this one is really good as well. Yes. So yes. you guys are saying that,
2: that kind of the balance between Lee's silliness and Ditko's seriousness kind of balances this out does that kind of translate into the movie i know they didn't take it from this comic but is that kind of the tone in the in the movie as well since you've seen it andy
1: yes the 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 seriousness of stephen strange's dilemma which i'm being very careful not to tell you but if you've read the origin you know what his dilemma is right it's very much like tony stark's in iron man 3 so that is played totally seriously but there's not as many offset quips in it His dilemma is taken totally seriously and Stephen is very serious throughout most of the movie until he starts to get to the point of change, which happens in every story. Uh, It is it does have Marvel's sense of humour. I think that's very fair to say. I think it's treated more as a straight drama than perhaps this is this is a little bit more whimsical than I think the movie is. But I think this plays into a lot of people's criticisms of the Marvel movies is, well, they're, they're, they'll do a lighthearted comment everywhere and undercut the drama. And you're like, have you ever read a Stan Lee comic? <laughs> that's what he did. He did that all the time. And that's quite evident in this comic. Stan's lightening the story up with his his, his quips and his dialogue. And, and I think there are dipko, ardent dicto lovers who don't like that Stan would do this to Steve's plots, and Ditko being one of them. But I do think that Lee keeps the material just that right side of self-parody. And I think that's what the movies have done as well. There's an element of, we know some of this is ridiculous, go with us. And by having a sense of humour about it, your audience will go with you.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think Mm. think for the most part, you need to have a little bit of a sense of humour about what you do. And... If you take it too seriously, then it just starts to become. It, it, it's taking it too seriously almost makes it more unbelievable. Yeah. Whereas it if, becomes if you, have a bit of a, if you have a little bit of a light-hearted edge to it, I think, you know, you can kind of just roll with it. So you have to find that fine line, and I do think in this particular one, some of the dialogue kind
1: of didn't miss the mark on that. Mm. But I agree. I, I agree about Stan. Stan's irreverent dialogue sometimes. A little bit far but
0: i i enjoyed this book overall i enjoyed it when i read it 40 years ago and i still enjoy it
1: so yeah, i, it's... I it's certainly i'm certainly not trying to blast it no uh, it's, I... it's it's very action packed and fast paced there's some brilliant visuals Some of stan's dialogues very snappy and entertaining
0: i think for every panel in this that i could point to and say i'm not crazy about it there's another panel that i absolutely love and there's probably three panels that I love for everyone that I'm not crazy about, but the ones that mm. I'm not crazy about do take me out of it a little bit.
1: So, but then when you get back into Dr. Strange, Sanctum Sanctorum, I love that panel at the bottom of page. Um, is it 17? I can't quite make it out of the page 18. It's a full width panel of Dr. Strange and Spider-Man fighting Zandu. That's a great panel.
0: I think that whole battle sequence is well drawn. Mm. Uh um, The Wand of Watum, you know, is that the Infinity Gauntlet? Or the Cosmic Cube? Yeah. Or any other source of infinite power that exists in the Marvel Universe that somehow, you know, makes you godlike?
1: And does the Wand of Watum. I mean, I know Zandu's in another issue of Marvel Team-Up where Spider-Man teams with Doctor Strange again, which is essentially just this redux, basically.
0: Yeah. He, does he, the he, wand
1: of Watoom ever become anything big like the Cosmic Cube?
0: No, but he does manage to infuse it with... Well, no no, in that story, at least. I don't know if there's something maybe in a later Doctor Strange book about it that I've right. never read, but in the Marvel Team-Up number 22, which I skimmed through again after I read this just because I wanted to... Uh, hmm. You know, he he, uh, Zandu gets his memory back and reinfuses it with powers. So I, I don't, you know, because comics. Yeah, uh, but you know, I do,
1: I, it, it, it does come back. I do think another creative team in the seventies doing this exact same story it wouldn't have been as good. No, it's, I it's do not think this is very this definitely is. the the mixture of Lee Ditko and the differences and the way they worked off each other makes this a very enjoyable issue. Like that Marvel team up that you mentioned is nowhere near as good as this. No. No,
0: uh, and you know Sal Buscema, I, I I'm a fan of Sal Buscema, but his
1: artwork as, is as not am I.
0: nearly as dynamic as as Steve Ditko's. No.
1: I don't know that Sal Buscema suits Doctor Strange. Exactly. I think would yeah. I think that He's would more be the main level. problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. he suits the Hulk. He suits Spider Man. I, I think there's very few artists that can pull Doctor Strange off, and Ditko obviously being one of them. The
0: two thugs that Zandu imbues with power and sends off. I kind of both love and hate them in the story, and I think they are my biggest negative.
1: Yeah, Doctor, Doctor Strange, not Doctor Strange. Zandu just basically shows up and picks two lunk heads, random, and says, you will now be my slaves, and that's
2: it. Why does, why does Zandu have a monocle that's kind of like has a dark
0: tint, like it's a sunglass lens? It's a sun monocle. It's a sun... It's like... <laughs> I have is that a Slight, just show slight sensitivity ears? in my right eye. <laughs> oh, so I'm gonna wear a darkened monocle. I wish I had a darkened monocle. Are you kidding me? And, like, and the the head uh, head cap cowl thing that he wears? He's like the he's like the evil Mr. Peanut. I'd be all
1: I love over his that. mustache. I think his, his mustache is almost Dave Atterbury level of brilliance.
2: <laughs> Dave Atterbury as Zandu. He's got uh, the, Dave the, could totally pull off beard. a
0: monocle, couldn't he? He could what? pull off the costume too. He's
2: Dave,
1: uh, Dave could totally wear that monocle and look cool.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, Dave would rock the monocle. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what do uh, you think my... of the story overall, Bill?
2: Well, well one thing I... Uh, did you catch on page nine after the thugs have beaten up Spider-Man? And I guess he's reaching back for his spider tracker. You notice that his shirt is pulled up. Like, he had to reach up under his shirt into his, the back of his belt... And then they, they continue that two panels later when he throws the tracker. He still shows his skin. I thought that was a nice little, like, that's something he didn't have to put in there. Like, that's yeah. a little detail that, you know, you, you know what he's doing. He's hiking up the shirt real quick, grabbing something back there, and they, they just maintain that. I, and I, I've never caught that in other Spider-Man um, issues.
0: Yeah, the, the average artist would just have him back in his regular look by the right. next panel. Right. Mm-hmm. So
1: that that is that is a, a attention to detail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I, I love, love the close-up of his hand showing the spider tracer, simply because you see the little nozzle at his wrist where his web shooter shoots out. Again, other right. artists don't put that nozzle in there. Yeah, yeah. I love that. The attention to detail that Ditko had is one of the things that I noticed when I did the read-through of the, the Lee Ditko stuff. Ditko was putting a lot of thought into this. He was putting a lot of thought into the logistics of it and how it would all work. And within the parameters of it being a fantasy, he was giving serious thought to, well, this would be how this would work. And I I always appreciate that. I always appreciate somebody who puts the effort into the fantasy world that there are still limitations, there are still limits, there's still elements of realism and believability to it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and I just, you know, the the one you pointed out, the panel with the... uh... The three quarter panel, or the two thirds panel, that could have been a uh, a splash page. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that. I love the, the the initial splash page. I think you know you you you're absolutely right. That would have been an awesome cover for this book. Yeah. I wonder if the, it- if it, this cover almost looks like it was just put together, like you know, let's put just put together a cover, you know, and and we'll we'll come up with a story later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's a shame the cover lets it down because, like like we keep saying, that splash page would be a much better cover. And it
0: would give, I, you know, I guess they didn't see Doctor Strange as a selling point at this time?
1: No, p- perhaps not. And like you said, this is very definitely an advert for Doctor Strange.
0: But I mean, Spider-Man is still front and center, so I, I, I still think on the newsstand this would catch your eye more and, and be much more likely to uh, to entice people to buy it.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, but you know, think they could have at least put Doctor Strange somewhere on the cover, other than <laughs> his name. Something.
1: No. Yeah, the cover's quite bland compared to the interior art. All right. You know, you,
2: you 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 could have maybe got rid of the little Spider-Man and shifted the head to be centered, face on behind Spider-Man, and then drew Doctor Strange standing at the same height as Spider-Man on the on the left side.
0: Hmm. Maybe, yeah, yeah. On on the cover, you have five little Spider-Man around the uh doc, around the Spider-Man head, and mm-hmm. the two that aren't touching the head to me are negligible and you could just do without them totally but the three that are actually crawling on the head i do think that's kind of a cool effect particularly the one yeah. on the bottom who's kind of hanging on to keep from falling <laughs> well plus it would make
2: more sense because it says plus three of spidey's earliest greatest most requested fun-filled epics All oh, then why do you have five spider-men little spider-man if you'd had three little spider-men uh,
0: like three little ernie's three yeah. little
2: ernie's again i'm being too nitpicky i guess
1: no, I think if it's I just, had done this, this is what I would have done. <laughs> if I had any Do- talent. Dr. Bill's cover for Amazing Spider-Man 2 would have been better. Would have been a Spider-Man stick figure. My only, my other only problem with this one is is Zandu makes the, the Shemps, the two people that he picks, feel no pain, and they don't fear anyone, but he doesn't actually give them super strength. So right, them but... beating things up and stuff like that, they should break their arms and still bruise the knuckles or something, shouldn't they?
2: Well, he tells them. Well, well, yeah, because now your bar is a hand of steel. So he doesn't. So you're saying he doesn't actually give
0: them strength. It just makes they. Make he strength. makes them think they have strength. The Mind Marvel over database matter. Mind over says matter. he imbues them with super strength. All right, but the enough. story doesn't really. Mm. But the All way right, the well, story we'll... is written, even though they never say it you got to assume that, that they do because of the way that they are able to rip through Spider-Man's webbing and the way they're able to beat up Spider-Man. Otherwise, they'd come yeah. at him, I don't care how strong they think they are, he'd web them and they'd be done.
1: Yeah, it's like, just because he says the web in his tissue paper, don't make it so. So yeah, they must have some level of super strength.
0: Or... Yeah. It's either he he's given them some some level of super strength or they're saying, like, the way they cleared that whole bar, they actually have some level of super strength and we just don't know why. Mm. Okay. It, it is a, you know, somewhat neglected plot point, but what are you going to do? I don't yeah. think that's a case of, of Lee veering off of uh, Ditko's intentions other than if they said, you know, he could have thrown something in the dialogue about giving them super strength, but I don't know. It, it just it makes Zandu like too powerful to begin with Mm. that he's able to do this.
1: Which is always kind of a problem with Dr. Strange's enemies. They're not on a level that they can really fight other superheroes. They need to fight Dr. Strange. Mm. So Spider-Man's completely out of his element, really. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think, and I Uh, think
0: they present it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they do. And they present it really well, but that's, that's the issue with Dr. Strange's rogues gallery which I don't know that much about, but I would imagine Dr. Strange's rogues gallery is really that kind of rogues gallery that only he could fight. It's not like the usual Marvel thing where Sandman can join the Frightful Four and fight the Fantastic Four. Dr. Strange's bad guys really seem, they have to be pitted against Dr. Strange.
2: Yeah, because they would be, uh, what, Dormammu, Umar, Baron Mordo, um, Nightmare, trying to think of some others, Zandu,
0: Umar. Maybe not Zandu.
2: Umar, yeah,
1: I thought I said Umar, but yeah, Umar Thurman. <laughs> Umar Thurman. <laughs> well, she did present a problem for Batman. Umar Thurman. Yeah, she's poison ivy. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Yes, she was. But, uh...
2: but no, I I like the whole, uh especially when Spider-Man gets sucked into the the magical dimension, and he's just this uh, Ditko just really it's like a it's like an Escher painting kind of with the different things that link these different little windows that are open and that have things cu- coming out of them that go into other windows or, or other little passageways and he's standing on pl- little planetoids and eh, it's just it's just crazy mm. why can't the real world be like that imagine all the traffic jams we would have <laughs> I'm going to cut through this dimension oh no I was trying to cut through the gas station entrance dimension Trying to avoid the uh, dimensional red light.
0: All right. So I think it's time to to give some ratings to this one so we can hear about some other books too. Because otherwise we're going to just make this an Amazing Spider-Man Annual 2 episode. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I think the cover, I, you know, I have a certain amount of nostalgia for the cover despite our criticism of it. I can sit here and from a purely logistic reviewing purpose say, yeah, it kind of lets me down. On the other hand, there's a certain aspect of it that I really like. I do think the full-figure Spider-Man is very well-drawn. Uh, the other stuff kind of looks like Ditko just threw it together, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't totally like the yellow background here. It's just a little too stark. Um, I, like Bill said, yeah, they, really, you know, if they had... you know you don't thro- like those solid backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> if they had thrown Doctor Strange on the other side of the cover, like Bill said, I think that would have been pretty cool so it's, it's not what I want it to be, but it does have a certain appeal to me. I'm going to give it a C plus. It could be so much better, but it's not terrible. The interior art, there are some things about it that I don't care for that are a little, again, overly simplistic. And I've pointed out a couple of those, but on a whole, the really solid images totally blow away any complaints I have. Uh, I can't give it, An A because there are some things I don't like, but I think I can give it an A minus because of the ones that I do. Because the ones I do, I I like the ones that I like so much more than I dislike the ones that I don't, if that makes any sense at all. So Mm. I'll give it an A minus on the interior art. Uh, Story-wise, I think it's pretty well plotted by Ditko. It's a little clumsily dialogued by Lee. I'm going to say a B on the story, and overall, I'll give the book a B plus.
1: You can go, Andy. Okay. Uh, Cover, yeah, B minus for the cover. It's not Ditko's best work, but it's Ditko Spider Man. So I'm a mark for it. Uh, The interior, I think, is an A minus. I I think there is enough here to counterbalance the not good stuff. Uh, There's enough panels in it that I look at and go, this is just brilliant. And then there's, yeah, there's a couple where you go, "Mm hmm. But I also think the coloring is really good on this issue, which is quite rare for a 60s comic book the overall story i agree with is a b plus it's it's very much a doctor strange story that has spider-man in it rather than it being a spider-man story because you know peter parker and his his cast of characters don't make an appearance so it is very much an advert for doctor strange's book but b plus for the overall Hmm. um
2: cover for me yeah i'd like to see a little different but still this well one it's an annual so that would Pop and get my attention. I probably be I would be picking it up anyway, um, if if it was on the stands. Um, I'm gonna give it a. I think I'm gonna go with C plus as well. And the interior art, man, it's just. Mm. I like the detail. You know, like we said, there was a little bit of wonkiness, but still, I'm gonna give the uh, the interior. B plus A minus, and the story oh. gotta love Doctor Strange. Um, although, oh okay, I, I I had to think for a second because he leaves his his uh, his astral form, but then I guess his cloak will just leave him hanging in the air while his body's while he's uh, off on a float about. So so Floats to speak. about. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I'm going to give this I'm going to give the story a B plus as, as well. So that's that's about a that's about a B. That's where I'm looking at. Hmm. All
0: right. All right, and I guess that's it for Amazing Spider-Man annual number 2 and the first meeting of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Now, and our next book is our next book our, our first meeting of Doctor Strange and the Avengers?
2: Um I don't know. Hold on. This, I don't Let know. me double check that. Well, we know he had been in the Defenders by now, right?
0: No, at this point, the Defenders did not exist. Oh, yeah,
2: that's right. Because I'm reading the back... uh, Because I've got the um, Avengers... The official Avengers Index, and I'm just trying to see... I don't think this is the first... Although, he might have met all the... uh, Some of the characters individually, but this possibly... I. could be one of the first because i glanced back through some other ones because i wasn't sure where where this issue fell like where i remembered this because i remember this issue mainly because of one scene and also because this is where he's in his blue mask phase Mm -hmm. is uh well the
1: the story actually says they met at jan's wedding oh that's right that's so they uh, may have met but this may be the first team up yeah he might have been in the
2: background oh yeah okay yeah because i'm looking here and it says guest stars so there was a whole plethora of of guest stars so he's probably in like one scene just because i don't really remember him having any strong uh presence in that one um but uh he's got his blue mask uh here on the cover you've got Emer and Sutor are uh on on, you've got suture in in, in the back and hawkeye's getting ready to launch an arrow at him yeah that's effective (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the Black Knight is on Aragon er- is uh, his horse with a sword. Yeah, that's effective. And um, in the in the foreground, you have Ymer fighting uh, vision, who has a solar gem, which actually may be effective, and uh, the Black Panther, yeah, not effective. And floating in the middle of the two is uh, Lucha Libre, Dr. Strangio, <laughs> with his Mexican wrestler mask. Oh, well, come on. What else is it? He, he, why is he wearing this mask? I don't remember why he was wearing this mask. There, there right. was a
0: point in the Doctor Strange run in his solo series after Strange Tales became Doctor Strange where he needed to
3: Hide his reestablish
0: identity? himself where his identity wasn't known and he started wearing his uh, luchador mask. I kind of always liked the look of it. The stark, plain, luchador hmm, blank look to it. I don't know. I... I I know it. You know it, it didn't succeed. I mean, realistically, what what they were doing is they were trying to turn him into more of a superhero, at the time. But I kind of did like to look. A big red like and a
2: fancy blue outfit wasn't enough. I,
0: I have to have a mask. Well, if you see in, in the way he's drawn in this book, and I don't want to go too much into the details yet because you still have to synopsize it, but he's drawn much more muscular than you normally get, Doctor Strange. He, there was definitely an effort to superhero him,
2: make him Arnold Strange. Come on, get got to cast the
1: spell. There it is.
0: <laughs> the cloak can't get me out the ground. I'm too buff. <laughs> he's <So>. dead tired. <laughs> excuse my friend. He's
2: sleeping. So uh, our cover is by John Buscema. And colors, I believe, are George Klein. I'm, let me hop over to Mike's Amazing World. I have that open. Yes, inker is George Klein and penciler is John Buscema. And this was out in uh, de- 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 cover date, Fe- power. <laughs> Fe-
1: February, uh, its cover date
2: it is February 1969 and it's on sale date is December 12th, 1968. You know, uh, Andy, maybe you'd like to introduce a real life with Dr. Bill.
1: Okay. <laughs> is this a real life with Dr. Bill? Oh yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> so many years ago
2: Alright, alright intern, enough <laughs> So many years ago I was looking through my parents' wedding album And uh, I realized While reading this that They were married in December of 1968 And I pondered on that date for a while And then I did some quick math And went, hey wait a minute I was born in June of 1969. Hmm. Mm. That's only a 6 month difference. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I was premature. Hmm. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. This this may be a repeat for a real life with Dr. Bell and if it is I apologize. We've we've done many many episodes so may, maybe I'm going to start repeating my real lives but uh, but yeah that was uh yeah. When I saw that date I went, "Oh yeah, December 1968." I remember that. Yeah sure you were getting me sure the marriage was already planned mom sure it was but i digress it is time now for the synopsis and have no fear fair listeners (laughs) i did not write a synopsis i am stealing one from my official
1: avengers index good because i've only got an hour before i've got to go And our synopsis goes
2: as such. The sorcerer, Dr. Strange, requests the Avengers aid in saving the world. Ah, don't they always? He leads them to the captured sons of Satanish Cultish... Mar- cultish... Cultist? Jesus. Mar- not Jesus. Marduk. And the fallen Black Knight, who sacrificed himself to shield Strange from Marduk. Or Marduk. However you want to say. Using the Avengers rejuvenator machine. How handy. And his surgical skills... Strange saves the night's life and revives him. Meanwhile, the Avengers receive reports of volcanoes erupting in Antarctica and ice covering Wakanda's jungles. Symptoms of the spell of fire and ice cast by George R.R. Martin. Wait, no. Cast by the sons of Satanist leader Asm- Asmodeus. 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 Which has brought... The elemental Asgardian giants Sutur and Ymir to Earth, and sent them on destructive rampages. While Strange strives to master the Mystic Crystal of Conquest, confiscated by from Marduk, the Black Knight and Hawkeye battle Surtur in Antarctica. Useless. While the Black Panther and Vision fight Ymir. Useless. <laughs> until Strange uses the crystal transport to the crystal to transport Sutur and Ymir into each other's presence. Just as the two giants are about to smite their attackers. How handy. The two giants strike each other instead, sparking a mystic implosion that hurls them back to their own dimensions. End of story. Quick note on the story, though. A little extra facts here. Uh, This was the first kind of official introduction at this time um, of the Quinjet. Which uh, is later kind of retcon that they were actually in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, uh, which came out in 05, um, that they were saying that there was a prototype they were working on that was used in um, uh, that they were working on between Avengers number five and number six. And they were using it in the field as early as between Avengers 58 and 59. So and the this issue's title, which I forgot to mention because I'm a dummy is an excerpt from a Robert Frost poem, Fire and Ice. Because the title is, Some say the world will end in fire, and some say in ice. So even with the pre-done synopsis, I still did everything ass backwards. <laughs> and I forgot the writer and the penciler. The writer was Roy Thomas, the penciler was John DeSema, the was George Klein, and the letter is Sam Rosen. Good night, everybody! You two
1: really do make this shit up as you go along, don't you? I put my glasses on. It's such small print in there, too. Somebody at Marvel is a big fan of Robert Frost because that is also the title of a Marvel team up.
0: Yes, mm. uh, with you uh, and Torch and Iceman.
1: Yeah, so now yeah, I may make
0: it up as I go along, but I got the I got a memory like a steel trap. You have very good. That's rusty. Oh. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess seeing the, the comparison that goes into uh, preparation for this show, as compared to Hey Kids Comics, is what's got you a little
1: puzzled. Uh, puzzled. I don't do any preparation for that either. <laughs>
0: No,
2: we always hear you say notes and stuff. Notes? We don't need no. Where we're going, we don't need notes. <laughs> no, but uh, what sticks out for this issue uh, is that Strange, so supposedly, by by his admission, I don't know if this is actually true, um, Roy Thomas may, well, usually he's a good stickler for, for details, but Strange has to operate on the Black Knight, and he has to pick up a scalpel, and, and and although you would think you would take the mask off while you what okay he's already wearing a mask he puts on another mask over the mask just for the operation but even better than that he sweats through the mask <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he's uh he's all concerned you know he's like oh you know one slip you know for any reason and a man dies and you know it's 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 very dramatic it's a little silly but it's very melodramatic yes yes. Um but yeah that's this this was my first um exposure to Doctor Strange and uh, quite an exposure it was <laughs> The crystal of conquest which amazingly looks a lot like the Wanda with whom, kind of it does have a resemblance yeah <laughs> yeah it's not phallic in any way <laughs> it's a butt plug whoa ew <laughs> but
1: it's got one on both ends
2: well, ew you know. <laughs> There could be two people. Oh.
1: <laughs> back this to back. Hole this hole that we're digging is just getting bigger and bigger. Ew. <laughs> uh. Did this feel more like a Conan issue than the Avengers? Because I've not read a lot of Avengers from this era. I'm, I'm very hot and cold on Roy Thomas. Whilst I love his Conan which I think is really, really good stuff. This is incredibly overwordy, and the dialogue's very melodramatic, and it just felt like fighting snow monsters. Melodramatic?
2: Oh, what, you mean like the very first thing that's said in the comic yes. by by Vision? I thought they were blowing Vision's head off. <laughs> more power, to more! Let me drink in those life-giving rays! One tall <laughs> pitcher of solar energy coming up.
0: It's amazing how many yes. of the panels, how many of the sentences end with an exclamation point. Pretty much all of them. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> so I uh, uh, did is this more? This felt more like a Conan adventure or a Thor adventure than an Avengers adventure. Is this typical of the era?
0: Roy Roy Thomas. This is you know this is fairly early in Roy Thomas's career. I mean it's not uh, he's not just just starting out, but you know it's still you know just a few years in or a couple of years in. Uh, he did tend to be very wordy and melodramatic. I mm. think as his career went on, he continued to be wordy, but the melodrama dropped a little bit, and he became a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah, that, because that just be pr- my take on him. Just mm. prior
2: to to this issue of what about five, seven issues ago, we had the Vision was introduced, I believe. You know, and that was, you know, Roy Thomas again. Mm-hmm. And, and what we, is it? Go on. We actually have two splash pages as well. Yeah, two very good splash pages. Yeah, because one, one is actually a title. Some say the world will end in fire, and it's it's Suter uh, with – actually, that's a nice shot of Hawkeye actually standing on the back of Aragon while the Black Knight is, well, I guess, piloting, to use a term, I guess. And um, he's getting ready to shoot an arrow, useless, <laughs> into the fire demon.
1: And, yeah, this this isn't the strongest Avengers they could have sent against these two, is it? It's the
2: yes, ones so they had have on like, hand. Let's have a 100-foot, you know, two elemental demons, and we'll send two guys each to fight them. One guy on a horse and another guy with a bow and arrow, and the other guy who's an android with a solar gem, which might prove useful, and the other guy has claws, so maybe he'll chip him to death. <laughs> I can make a lovely sculpture out of you. Oh, what have you done with your hair? Oh, my. Chip, 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 chip. Black Panther.
1: Stylist. (laughs) Oh, God. And the vision is just horribly arrogant on this first page. Panel three. (laughs) He basically calls the Black Panther an idiot. And then he he says, and don't tell me that I'm not human. And then the Panther says, oh, I'm am sorry, I didn't mean any offense. Forget it. I hate heroes whose main superpower is breast beating. He's
2: like, <laughs> he he's like John Locke from Lost. Don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> and it's like, why has this guy got friends? Because he's powerful. well, he was he was created by Ultron. What do you expect him? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah okay fair enough you think we should watch the vision he's a little cranky you know cut back his caffeine intake or something i don't know
0: what no um, more the, to do for him the art's good oh, oh yeah I think john Buseam is just a great artist yeah i think he's very underrated i think when when they talk about the great artists in the last 40 or 50 years uh his artwork doesn't come up that often you you know you hear about Jack Kirby and John Romita in the 60s and Steve Ditko in the 60s you, you know then you get into the 70s and you start hearing about George Perez and then the late 70s you hear about John Byrne and people mm. just kind of gloss over you know you hear about Neil Adams I'm sorry I left him out of the equation there mm. but uh you don't hear people talk about John Buscema the same way and I think he's he's kind of deserving of being in that group
1: yeah I think Buscema and Barry Windsor Smith's work on Conan is, is brilliant
0: Oh, absolutely! But I this... think, well, Barry Windsor-Smith, I think the, the biggest problem is
1: his body of work, much like Jim Steranko, is just a little too small. Mm. Mm. Whereas Buscema could crank this stuff out, and it still looked brilliant. That was the first thing that hit me about looking at Drew Bill's pick: how great the artwork is. Well, and one thing that
2: I've always noticed, or at least I think I've noticed, with John with John Buscema and superheroes, is that he often draws their eyes so that they're visible underneath their masks like 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 it's not just white mm. you know you could see the eyes i mean i'm sure other artists have done that but it just it kind of stood out to me because you see it again uh there's a spot with the uh, t'challa um where it's a close-up and you and you can see his eyes um instead of them just being white like he he's the closest one too. As everybody else behind him i think that's on page 10 of the art uh, the top panel where um it's after they've talked to strange and gotten got, Oh, where he's received mm. the communication from Wakanda that there's ice. And that's where they're saying that they have to split up and you can see his
1: eyes through the mask. Yeah. And earlier on, you could see Hawkeye's eyes through the mask. Mm-hmm. Which not he's not always only do cool. you see his
0: eyes through the mask, but you see the skin around his eyes and they did, right. you know, they did color it to make him a black man, which is mm. correct. Uh, and I think that's, that's again, you know, we talked in the last issue somewhat about attention to detail. And I think that is a nice little touch and a nice little attention to detail there. And they could have easily gotten away with just leaving eyes white,
1: but I was I was a bit confused uh, continuity wise. Which you two are far more knowledgeable of the Avengers than I am. Why do they not know where Wakanda is when the Fantastic Four must know where Wakanda is?
0: I don't remember the explanation for that, and I, and I guess I'd have to go back to you know, what was it? FF fifty four mm. uh, and see. How they came about getting to Wakanda. I mean, I know they were invited over there and all, but you know, w- was it something where T'Challa sent something over to transport them, and they didn't really? Yeah, know T'Challa how they got sent there? a vessel that took them to Wakanda. So it's basically the hidden land, effectively. That's mm. uh, Jack Kirby mm. created two hidden lands
1: within a couple of months of each other. <laughs> yeah, the humans and, and Wakanda. Yeah, I just because said Vision that, has... that struck out as being a bit odd that the FF know where he lives, but the Avengers don't. But he's on the Avengers.
2: Well, how long had he been on the Avengers at this time? Not that long either. I think. No, I All think right. he
0: just came along a couple of issues before the Vision. I'm thinking around. Yeah, hold know, on. In right. the early 50s.
2: Yeah, because that's because he's like, oh, uh, just where is the African kingdom of yours, T'Challa? Asked the Vision.
0: Shh. We, I don't know what, what you speak. <laughs> that
2: I fear even the Avengers. Wait, wait. Oh, because there's an that i fear even the avengers may not know suffice to say it exists because there's an exclamation point there <laughs> t'challa is here in Ambassa.
0: oh <laughs> gotta
2: say it like it's written <laughs> well i was I, yeah. was
0: I was looking over one of the pages and every single sentence ends in a it's either an exclamation point or a question mark
1: <laughs> yes okay but
0: i think that was pretty standard for the time
1: yeah especially in Roy I Thomas comic. I'm going
2: to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Who drank the last cup of coffee? <laughs> well, that's a question, Mark, not an exclamation Mark. And you've got every right to be irate about that. The mail is here. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> we should do that for a day. Talk like a Roy Thomas comic.
2: we <laughs> uh, comedian Brian Regan. <laughs> Just who I sound like right now. <laughs>
0: oh, dear. So, <laughs> the, the story itself just kind of, you know, it's, it's all right. It, yeah. You know, I, I really love the, uh, what's his name, satan I love his costume. He's like a giant crab. Sutor?
2: Was, or, no, oh, no, no. that's
0: pa- right. Page yeah. six. Oh, yeah. He looked... He
2: looks like a crab or an oversized bat. I don't know what he is. Like he's like it's yeah, like this... a,
0: a really really bad orange it, Batman costume. <laughs> this
2: is this this is my barren blood cosplay play costume. Uh, what do you think? And and nobody liked it, so he's like, I'm gonna start a cult. I'm gonna start a cult.
0: Or, or I'm gonna join uh, Zodiac and I'll be uh, what is it? Uh, Sagitt not Sagittarius. Uh, Cancer. Cancer, which
2: apparently was the only zodiological sign. Zodiological. Yeah, I think I said that right. Well, it's the only sign that didn't change because didn't they like throw in another sign and now everybody's just changed? So like everybody that uh, oh well, I'm a Capricorn, uh, now you're a you know a butt munch.
0: So oh, I don't I don't follow the uh, astrology at all, so I don't know. Me, I'm, I'm still I'm still a crab. <laughs> I don't know. Am I still a scorpion? I'm
2: not sure. I don't know. Maybe I've changed. I'm a, I'm a twin, apparently. Oh,
0: Gemini. Mm. Another Andy running around somewhere. <laughs> God forbid. So, you, page, you, you, uh, you could, you, if you find your twin, you could have fun with Angela. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd have more fun than I would. I'm going out to the store now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm here to fix your photocopier.
2: <laughs> I like hey. uh, pa- on ahead, page bro. eleven when they um, when they first see Ymer. Oh, then I'll swoop <laughs> down and by the snows of Kilimanjaro, <laughs> that can only be Ymer. <laughs> really? What other 100 foot ice elemental giants. Do you think are gonna, you know?
1: Uh, no, no. It's the other ice elemental. This one's just here for ice cream. I love Ymir's uh, ice and
0: beard. And then,
1: be, before we grazed the monster by accident, but now we must
2: strike him dead center. Yeah, that's a good plan. <laughs> We're gonna fly the ship right into him and just bail out. No parachute, no nothing. You know, for vision it's okay, but you know, I don't know if he was carrying.
0: How does uh, how does T'Challa even survive the explosion of the ship? Exactly, because it, it rips it rips apart like tissue paper. It's just poof! It just gone. rips apart a, a, around him, and he's left sitting there. Uh, the it, visual it's like uses a Bugs Bunny the cartoon. solar thing in his head to save him. He
2: made him ant- intangible with him. He yeah. held his hand and said, "Trust me. Yeah. You got come up to me. me if you want
0: to live. Who's
2: got you?" Ah. Uh, Mm. good old fire knife, thing and the, and they just pulled the old the old quick switcheroo and made them kill wipe out each other that's it make your enemies destroy each
0: other well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend
2: mm-hmm. except they were both still the enemies yeah. oh i have a headache <laughs> all right rating it to the cover um i like this cover even you know even though i was ma- making fun of the people fighting You know, that they're really kind of useless, but it it is a very, I think there's a lot going on. You've got the foreground, you've got the background, you've got the, you know, the team split fighting. Doc Strange, of course, he's just kind of hovering like he's in free fall doing, he's like, he's jumped off the top rope in his luchadora mask and he's going to do a body slam on somebody. Maybe he's going to, you know what? He's doing a body slam on vision because vision is playing the heel for the wrestling. (laughs) So in comes Doc Strange. El strangeo luchador, and he's going to just, you know, <laughs> land right on him. And, uh... El so, stranger luchador. I can't... What's doctor in Spanish? Doctor. Le doctor. Oh, no, that's French. El doctoro. El Doctor I <laughs> uh, speak Spanish. I just add a O oh, at the end of everything I say. Send all hate mail to doctoro O'Billo. Wait, that's okay <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give the cover... I really like it. I'm going to give it a, a I'm, I'm just going to give it an A. I'm not going to do a minus or a plus. I'm just giving it an A. The, el it, Medico. El Medico Strangelo. <laughs> el Medico Stefano Strangelo. Luchador. All right. Enough with Mexican wrestling. Uh, the interior art... I don't really see anything wrong with the pacing. And, and there's nothing really wonky. Uh... I have to give that an A. The story, it's a little silly, a little contrived, it's a little over the top, but I'm still going to give it a a B minus. So this would be a a B plus and A minus book for me. Mm.
1: What's say use, guys? Uh, I like that the cover has no copy on it to mar the artwork, so it just stands as a, like a poster piece, and it is, it is very good. So um, uh, a B plus for the cover. I think the interior artwork is, is sensational. Those two splash pages that open the issue are great. There's numerous brilliant panels throughout the book. It's not as flashy as Ditko's Doctor Strange story, but there's there's good, excellent anatomy, excellent facial structure, excellent use of face to tell the story. Uh, I'm giving the, the art inside an A+, because I, I do think John Buscema, like Paul said, is very underrated. Uh, story-wise it's a Roy Thomas in the sixties story and it's overly verbose and very melodramatic. And if you can get past that, there's actually a fun story to be told here, but I think some of the melodrama lets it down a bit now. So I I think that's a B, B minus overall B plus very enjoyable issue. Glad you picked it.
0: Okay. This is one. I hadn't read this in a long time and, uh, Again, I get, I get a little tainted by nostalgia I think sometimes, because I, I love this era of the Avengers. As melodramatic as it is, I, I get a kick out of a lot of the stuff in here. So the cover, again, I think you, you hit it, it's, it's a really cool poster image, but it's not just a poster image for poster images sake, because it shows you what's gonna what we're gonna have in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's really solid. I like the use of color in it. I like the, the layout. It's a little busy would be maybe the only criticism, but I don't see how you could do this type of cover without it being busy. And that almost creates a little bit of a you know an, an action feel to it. There's, there's movement going on. There's a lot happening here. And it, it makes your eye dart around the page to see what each person is doing and, and how they're doing it and how they're working in unison or if they're working in unison. Uh, so I'm going to say an A on the cover. I really like it. The interior art, I think Andy summed it up really well. Uh, I, I, I don't see any flaws in it. I can't go as high as an A+, plus, but I'm gonna say an A. It, it's it's just everything about it is really, really solid. There's not one misstep in the art. Uh, everything about it is, is cool. It, 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 I almost feel like oh every page could be its own poster image. Uh, you know, we talk sometimes about if we could get a hold of some original art, I would take any page in this book, and I would love to frame it and hang it up in my house. Uh, story-wise, yeah, it's a little silly and It's a little contrived, and uh, it's definitely way too melodramatic, uh, especially with the use of of exclamation points, as we've pointed out. Uh, But it kind of does the job, it's done in one, it manages to get Doctor Strange in. I'm wondering if the same way uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2 was meant to introduce Doctor Strange to people who were unfamiliar with him, if this book was maybe meant to reintroduce him to some people in his superhero persona, hoping to uh, salvage uh, his solo series, which only ran, I think it was 14 issues. So I I think that's really the purpose of it, and that's why they're bringing Strange in here. And I think Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of a, more of a business decision than a storytelling decision. But the story kind of does the trick. I'm going to say... I'm going to go with B-minus on the story also. It's entertaining. I I didn't really have a problem with it. It's just not outstanding. Uh, So overall, I'll give the book an A-minus.
1: Okay. Very good.
0: So now, Andy, we're giving you, or you've given yourself, Mm. a very daunting task of doing a synopsis as well as Bill or I do. (laughs) uh, Let's not get carried away. And to do it for five issues in the span of time it would take to do one.
1: Are you up to the challenge, my friend? Let's be honest. You did a Stan Lee issue and Bill did a Roy Thomas issue. There's more in those two comics than in five issues of this. (laughs) Uh, I am up to the challenge. Ready? Uh, We are ready. You go at it. Okay. Doctor Strange The Oath was a five-issue miniseries written by Brian K. Vaughan and drawn by Marcos Martin. Many years ago, Dr. Stephen Strange was an egocentric and self-obsessed surgeon. One fateful night, however, he found himself involved in an accident that destroyed the nerves in his hands, ensuring he would never operate again, apart from in Avengers issue 61. Strange blamed the surgeon who operated on him, Nicodemus West, and in an effort to learn how to undo the damage, Strange journeyed to the far-off land where he learned from the Ancient One and became a master of the mystic arts." Unbeknownst to Strange, Dr. West also studied with the Ancient One. In the present day, Strange's faithful manservant, Wong, discovers that he has an inoperable brain tumour. Strange ventures into another dimension to aid Wong. He locates Otkid's Elixir, not only a cure for Wong's malady, but a cure for every disease ever. Strange is then attacked in his Sanctum Sanctorum by Brigand, a mercenary employed by West. West represents timely pharmaceuticals who don't want Ot Kid's elixir in the public domain for obvious reasons. Strange is shot and Wong rushes into Linda Carter, the night nurse, for aid. Strange's astral form helps Carter remove the bullet and they track down West as Wong collapses. West and Strange do battle, but West falls from the roof of his apartment with the elixir in hand. It shatters as it hits the floor, leaving Strange with but a spoonful. He has a choice. Use it to create a new batch for the benefit of all mankind or save Wong. He cannot do both. Strange saves Wong. As Wong recovers, Carter tells Strange that Timely may not get away scot-free as she managed to locate a memo written by West that implicates all of the Board of Governors at Timely. Strange offers Carter a place at his sanctum to operate out of as they share a kiss. The end. Wow, bravo! I almost feel like I should be doing a
0: slow clap after that one. <laughs> a very slow clap. That was uh, well done, Andy. Well done. Thank you. And you didn't even steal it from somebody else like Bill
1: and I did. <laughs> no, I, did. I wrote that myself. Yeah. Uh, so obviously this has five covers. I've got this is the the hardcover Ultimate Marvel Graphic Novel Collection. This was volume forty-nine. Uh, the first cover is Doctor Strange with blood all over him having been shot because I changed the order of events for the synopsis to right. help it make more sense the second cover is Doctor Strange and Wong and Night Nurse just stood there because it's a modern comic and that's what we do in modern comics issue three is Doctor Strange looking really deformed in front of his background of adversaries including Domamu. It's
2: like he needs to use a bathroom
1: he does, yeah. Number four is Doctor Strange fighting a big tentacle, so it's like hentai. And uh, issue five is Doctor Strange holding the elixir in a bloodied hand. I, I don't think any of them are particularly great, and I think Marcus Martin would go on to be a much better artist than he is in this book, even though I don't think the art is bad in this, but I think he would improve immeasurably as, as he goes along end of show
2: <laughs> i think he does capture strange's arrogant side rather yes well.
1: yeah i think the writing in this is really good i think it's my only problem with it is a criticism that's been leveled on this show and my show lots of times this is a five issue story that that roy or stan or roger stern or any other number of writers who've worked on doctor strange would have done in two or three issues
0: I think 2 I or 3 some... is the right number too. I thought you I thought you were going to say could have been done in 1 and I no. think 1 would be way too rushed. Mm. But I think 3 is kind of the number that I latched onto thinking that it should be.
1: Yeah. cuz there is a lot going on here and there's a lot to digest and I do think it's it's a good story and I very much enjoyed reading it but I sat down and read this in 45 minutes. It took me 30 minutes to read that Roy issue of Roy Thomas issue of the Avengers. <laughs> So, I think that that does tell you something about the story. It's a great story, though. Doctor Strange is a little bit more snarky in this than he is in the other two issues that we've covered today. But I do like, I love his relationship with Wong in this. I love his relationship with Linda Carter. I'm not entirely sure why Linda Carter had to tag along for the entire story, other to, than to maybe we wanted a romance. woman in it yeah to, to give it a romance
2: did that romance go anywhere yeah he. Dated i have no idea
1: all right oh, oh, good oh, okay i'm good i'm glad that that did actually go somewhere then so that was nice overall I, I did greatly enjoy this and j david weeter was the one who actually recommended he's just david weeter now isn't he Who recommended that i read this when we were talking about dr strange on Facebook at one point so mm-hmm. i finally sat down and read it after i saw the film on tuesday and then the very next day, Bill gets in touch with me and says, "Want to do a Back to the Binge about Doctor Strange?" And it all just fell together. <laughs>
0: Love it when a plan comes together.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, because I didn't think we well, we have we haven't I don't think we've had anybody that's seen the movie before we did the score. So I thought, hey, let's 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 get Andy. We're going to be recording anyway.
0: Mm. It was, it, I don't, very much don't, appreciated. It. Don't eliminate the magic. No, we had to <laughs> ship Same. Andy in from far off lands to come and do this. Eating
2: <laughs>
1: the England. I've been I've been looking forward to this all week since Bill said it. I love being on back to the bed and we love mm-hmm. having you. So, what did you two think of it?
2: I really like, for some odd reason, when he's getting ready to fight uh West. Right, Nick, Nick, mm. Nicodemus West. West. When he when he, he has cast a spell or used the I what it, is it like the the mystical timeout card, whatever. (laughs) Well, because he pulls out an hourglass and says, ah, for the next three minutes, neither of us will be able to use magic in any form. Hmm. And then Strange takes his cloak off, and then he pulls his gloves off. And when he pulls his... Because I just went back and looked, and up until this point, you have not seen his hands... Without the gloves on, and he says, "I suppose the gloves are off then." And his hands are in front of his face, and you could see his hands are all scarled, sc- scarred and gnarly. Well, I like looking. the
0: word scarled. scarled
2: <laughs> It's gnarly and scarred put together, and they look elongated. They don't even look human. They're just they look skeletal. They're just scary looking, and it's like you know you you, you could see now why he probably wasn't you know able to operate anymore. Hmm. And I, I just like he that. He couldn't shot. pull out
0: the wrenched ankle.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that shot of his face, you know, because his hands in front of his face, the gloves are like they're they're like stretching when he's pulling it off, and they're still attached at a few of the fingertips. And and then um, the guy starts to kick Strange's ass, but he's like, oh yeah, by the way, that guy who um, is you know dying down on the street, he you know he taught me the Mystic arcs and then turns around and starts kicking West's ass. <laughs> Yeah, He's like, but in other, you know, oh, yes, he says, yes, in some some respects, the man you left to die downstairs is my servant. But in others, Wong is my master. And then he proceeds to Jackie Chan, his ass.
1: Hmm. I love his line. "Um, I won't be beating Iron Fist anytime soon, but I can handle you. (laughs) (laughs) Which ties in brilliantly to the beginning of this book where Iron Fist and is that Ariana? Yeah. There's been that many bloody spider girls at this point, I've lost track of them. Iron Fist and Ariana are a visiting night nurse. And Iron Fist is there for the most mundane reason. He's pulled a hamstring fighting a bunch of ninjas. <laughs> I love that. Because you, you would. I thought that was brilliant. And she's there because somebody's hit her in the face with a mace. It was a uh, flag smasher. Flag smasher, that was and yeah. I love that conversation as well. Which one was it? And she describes him. And Iron Fist's like, oh yeah, flag smasher. <laughs> Yep. good. Very good opening. Until Doctor Strange walks in. Sorry, Wong walks in carrying Doctor Strange, who's obviously been shot. Shot with Hitler's handgun mm. that he used to
2: commit suicide. So it has. And then he put a. There was a silver bullet in it, and all the negative energy was able to, you know, generated by you know, I guess the bad karma by the gun was able to penetrate. Um, um oh my God! Do you see what song is playing in the waiting room? where Ariana and um, Iron Fist are waiting on the first that's
1: page. Dope, I'm trying to find the first page. Tall and Tam and Young. Oh, and yeah, oh, that's our theme song.
0: <laughs> that's our We're Experiencing Operating Difficulties Please Stand By song. Which is perfect waiting room music, except the only thing wrong about it is you wouldn't have the lyrics. They would be playing the no. Muzak version of it. <laughs>
1: yeah so that, that was I, I didn't notice that when i read it but no that's a lovely touch as well and so fitting with this show you'd think i planned it <laughs> i did plan it i saw that and thought of you there you go <laughs> i love dr strange astral form as well helping it operate
2: yeah no here oh watch that watch that sh- you know like he's a backseat driver
1: so all of this was was really good stuff um yeah, I greatly enjoyed this, and it, it's one. Of this, unfortunately, it's one of those things that because I greatly enjoyed it, I don't really have much to pull it apart. I love the relationship between Strange and, and Linda Carter. I especially love that they start calling each other Sherlock and Watson.
2: <laughs> kind of funny considering who now plays Doctor Strange.
1: He now plays Doctor Strange. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I love his relationship with Wong. I mean, we we mocked Manservant earlier on, but this doesn't feel like manservant. This feels like a relationship of equals. Wong is essentially Strange's PA
2: Mm mm-hmm i like the uh i like the moment when they're um when they go in the shop and he's trying to find the portal to go off and get this elixir Mm. and he's reciting uh, what does he say he's like oh he's like latin Uh, i hate doing stuff in latin and then uh and and then he starts to cast it and these other guys come in and wong takes out like four or five guys and then strange is casting this stuff and then he gets done and turns he's like wong Where did the Where in the world did these men come from? (laughs) It's just like he's so out of it with what he's doing that he doesn't even realize was, you know, Wong's taking out like five or six guys behind him. It's it's just so matter of factly, you know, like
0: Wong, what did you do now? My my biggest negative in this book, and I, I I enjoyed the book. I had read this a few years back. This isn't you know one that was new to me. Uh, but my biggest negative was I don't like when they give the guy the wrong voice and this is another instance where i felt like the who's it? brian Voyne wrote this
2: yeah brian k yeah
0: i i feel like he you know they they took that i i guess it probably predates the movie but they took that tony stark movie voice and put it into dr strange where he starts talking so snarky and clever and i don't like when they just put that into any old character you can get away with it with Tony Stark because it's become the persona of the character. You can get away with it with Spider-Man because he's supposed to be quippy in everything he says. You can't do it with every character, and I don't like to hear Doctor Strange talking that way. He's supposed to be a little bit more above it all. Mm. And that was my biggest criticism of the excuse me of the book.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, Brian K. Vaughn is very much one of those modern snarky writers. And sometimes it works and and sometimes it doesn't. And I did notice that as well, that the Doctor Strange in this felt a bit snarkier than usual, certainly in comparison to the other comics that I've read of him, where he comes across very much as an adult, and adults don't tend to speak like that. So, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think that's a valid criticism. But, you know, outside
0: of that, I thought it was a pretty well-thought-out story that kind of hit some high points and it, it went along. It was... Like you said, it was five issues where it could have been done in three. So mm. I thought the pacing, it, it wasn't that it got boring at points because it didn't, but I thought it just could have moved along a little bit more briskly.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: and, and I thought that was borne out. And I don't remember which issue it was, but one of the issues actually really had a kind of nothing much uh, cliffhanger on it. You know, each one tried to have a cliffhanger at the end. And one of them, I, I don't remember which again, but one of them had one that was like, really? That's the cliffhanger? Uh, and I thought that you could have just consolidated some things and, and done it certainly in four. Uh, I, I think you could have gotten it done in three, but you certainly mm-hmm. didn't need to go five, that's for sure. So that, that's the, probably the biggest problem with it is the decompression aspect of it. it. It could have been paced a little bit more briskly. But otherwise, I thought the art was fairly solid. It, it, you know, it, it didn't really, you know, I didn't love the art, but I didn't dislike it either. So, you know, Marcus
1: little... Martin, Marcus Martin's gone on to be better than this, even though I liked this. But he, he had a, a bit of a run on Spider-Man and Daredevil where he's he's actually really good. He's got that very open, clean, parabet kind of style, which you would think wouldn't be in. He's not quite Chris Samney, who I think's really good, but he's, he's kind of that 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 kind of cartoony vibe that he has to it that I really like, especially in stuff where it suits it like Spider-Man. Right.
0: All right, uh, we got anything more on this?
1: Uh, no, no, it no was... really. it's Nicodemus is well written. I don't know what I think of the continuity implant that he was the guy who operated on Doctor Strange and failed, and then went and found the the Ancient One as well because I don't know enough about Doctor Strange's origins to to be able to say whether that affects anything adversely or anything. But it certainly felt like yeah, okay, I can go with that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, that I, that, mm-hmm. that didn't really bother me.
1: Yeah, I read this after seeing the film because I honestly thought the film would have took more from this than it actually did. And it didn't. Yeah, that's
2: what I, I was gonna ask you if, if it wouldn't give too much away whether or not this played any how much or at all did it play into the film?
1: Uh the scene that you like with the hands is pretty much it.
0: Oh. Hmm. hmm. He did. Oh, all right. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> no no it's, it's, that's such a money you know, spoiler the, the, I, can handle, I don't like about. spoilers I can handle that one yeah. Yeah, the, yeah
1: the the thing with the film is essentially if you've read the origin of Doctor Strange you know the first half of this movie oh yeah 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 he, and yeah. it's it's extremely faithful to the comics in the same way that Iron Man is whilst managing to update it so it's it's one of them you're going into this There's there's certain things that you can spoil obviously but if you know and have read the comic book origin you know the first 45 minutes of the film how is mr Cumberbund's uh, accent it's okay it does seem like he's doing a new york american accent which i can buy and certainly within 20 minutes or so of the film i'd forgotten that it was benedict cumberbatch doing an accent so it's gonna be like paul hey, how yeah how you doing yeah I'm he's Dr. not Drake. quite he's not quite as new york as paul but it certainly seems like he's not doing generic american which mm. is what a lot of British actors suffer from. They just do a generic American accent. And let's He be sounds fair, like, yeah.
0: No one is as New York as Paul.
1: That's true. So he, it sounds like he is trying to do a New York American accent. And I, from, to my ears, he pulled it off. It'll be interesting to see what you guys think of it when it opens.
0: We will know next week. Yeah. Mm.
1: So, Andy, you want to give us our, your rankings? um like i said i don't think the covers are anything particular i think you get a c for the covers um overall artwork from marcus martin i do like a lot of martin's artwork i admit this isn't up to the standards that i think he's capable of nowadays but this is over 10 years old at this point so i think the artwork is as a b plus story i'm gonna go a minus i did very much enjoy reading it with the caveats that Brian K. Vaughan is one of those modern writers who who seems to do the Mark Miller snarky voice for everybody that kind of grates a little bit once you realise that that's what they're doing. And he didn't seem like Doctor Strange, but he does get points for the relationship between Strange and Wong and Linda Carter, which I liked very much. So overall, I think this is a solid A-minus. I I recommend The Oath, especially if you've never read Doctor Strange before. I think this is a good introduction to him.
0: Okay, uh, I agree with you. the covers are just kind of, you know, they're acceptable, they're not bad. Uh, I'm gonna say C+. Plus. I don't think they're, I think they're just slightly above average. Mm. Uh, the story, I think loses points for uh, the snarkiness. I think it loses points for pacing and dragging it out to five issues. And I don't know if that's a choice of Vaughn or if that was an editorial choice, but either way, it's going to lose some points for that. So I'm going to give the story a B where I think it could have been an A. If it had been done just a little bit better, uh, and the interior art, uh, you know, it's it's decent. It's it could be better. It's not terrible. It's not great. I'm going to say a B minus on the interior art. And Overall, I'll give the book a B minus.
2: Ah, this is the first time that I read the Oath, so this was new new to me. I I missed it when it came out. Uh, the covers, um, the one that stands out, and of course, it's it stands out for the reason that you don't like them, Paul, and that's that's the fifth issue. I liked Strange standing in the rain with the white background, but there's accents of red coming off his hand where he had been fighting with with blood that kind of looks like it's almost splattered onto the page, onto the artwork itself. And, um, you know, it's a stark white background when when he's got his head down. Um, So I guess that would be my favorite out of the five covers. But overall, the covers, I will give a C plus when they're put all together. And the, I thought it was a nice little, not a dig, but a nice little homage or a, um, that the pharmaceutical company is called Timely hmm. for, for Timely Comics, Marvel.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things like that. Like Op Kids Elixir is obviously Ditko. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Op Kids didn't... Elixir is not obviously Ditko.
2: <laughs> so. Uh... The story, I am going to... Um, I enjoyed it. I read it this morning. It was quick, which sometimes I guess you don't mind a quick comic um, versus uh, you know a long one. And actually today, I, I rather enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a B o- overall for the whole story. And the art, I had no major qualms with the art. Um, the interior is a little bit better than some of the covers. Uh, so I'm going to give the interior B as well. So... Looking at a B overall for the whole story, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. All
0: right, cool. So that's Doctor Strange's score. Uh, I expect to see the movie next week when it opens here in the States, or as you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday when it opens in the States. Uh, and I expect to have somebody or some people with me, and we'll be reviewing it on Is It Yours? So, uh that's about it. Maybe. Anybody? I uh, would like to do some email, but we're under a little time crunch, yeah. so I think we're going to skip email for today, and probably setting ourselves up to have to do an email episode sometime in the near future.
2: Well, I wanted to do a parody song, and I had given you one of my lines of lyrics, but that's as far as I got. So I guess well, I could if, just
0: if that parody song gets completed in the next day or so, I will have it <laughs> after, after the credits.
1: No. I love Bill's laugh. Then <laughs> not a chance.
0: Nah,
2: it ain't gonna happen. No. Quality. thanks for
1: coming on with us andy it was not a problem i've been looking forward to it since bill suggested it on uh, wednesday i think so that was a lot of fun as usual i've been looking forward to it since bill Bill blackmailed me and said i have to come on <laughs>
3: <laughs> always a pleasure talking to you too you know that i love both of you guys thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corp of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week.
2: You went to Tibet to fix your hands. And you ended up a magic man. It's true. What did they do to you? Strange dude. Watch out for Dormammu. <laughs> That's all I Excellent. got. That's some Strange Brew by Cream is where I took that. Well done.